In the holy name of Jesus, amen. A couple of weeks ago, I was up in the fair city of Milwaukee. It was 30 degrees cooler. I enjoyed it. But I went to our national convention for the Missouri Senate. About 1,200 Lutherans gathered in the one space. We don't necessarily believe in purgatory, but that might have been close to it in some sense. It was good. It was fine. All of the discussions about finances, missions, how are we going to move forward in the next three years, all of the business, all of some contention and frustration, a lot of unity. But each and every day that we were there, we found ourselves beginning with prayer and scripture. We found ourselves in the middle of the day with prayer and scripture and a catechism study, and we ended the day with prayer and scripture. What does this mean? We were drenched with prayer and scripture in the midst of all of the worldly business we were there to decide upon. There was some tension, some disagreement. There were some things that we didn't quite resolve, but the word of God was in our midst. And yet from time to time with the beginning of the prayer services, you would see people getting up and walking out or coming back in, having discussions in the midst of everything. There was talk about so much going on in our nationwide church body, and yet there were those at times, and you know, myself included, saying, why are we here? And even when it came time for the word of God and for prayer, you felt like you needed a break. Finances, churches dying, falling apart, pastoral shortages. There's a huge pastoral shortage. A lot of district presidents were pulling people aside saying, hey, come over here. It's nice in North Dakota this time of year. <laughs> but in the end, this is a picture of the church today. And let's be honest, we are not void of it. We've gotten so concerned, so overwhelmed with the worldly things as well, and yet at times we don't tend to focus on Jesus who is the author and finisher of our faith, who for you, his joy, laid down his life on the cross. At times we don't always look to the word of God, what God has given us in the word of God, what God has established for his word and his people. And that's a dangerous thing. Sometimes when you spend more time in the world worrying about the worldly things, it can be utterly consuming, utterly fearful. Something that you say, I just can't continue on. I'm so overwhelmed. I'm just going to stay away from it all. Or I'm going to sit around with sleepless nights in fear. Something even worse happens, though, that when a church is not engulfed and drenched in the word of God, the sacraments, and prayer. Making the foundation of this place a spiritual place. Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And letting everything else be added unto us. We can get so caught up in the church. But rarely make time for God's presence here in the service. Or even in the multiple Bible classes that we offer each week. When we ignore those things, when we don't pray, when we don't receive and hear God's word, 
Your views and my views at times will turn to the negative. Maybe you resent this place a little bit. It's not the way it used to be. Things have changed way too much. Maybe you're angry or frustrated with me and how I have failed you. And truth be told, I feel like that from time to time as well. Let's just be honest. None of us is perfect. None of us is sitting here today saying, Hey, look at me. I am the perfect, pious Christian. If you are, check yourself at the door. So what do we do? You heard it in a few moments ago with our opening hymn and other things. We must confess our sins. Confess that we are poor, miserable sinners. But pastor, that doesn't uplift my self-esteem and the way that I look at myself. Today's readings are hard, though. These are not readings that you put up on motivational calendars. These are not readings that you read in your chicken soup for the soul devotion books. Jeremiah and Luke point us today to some stern warnings. And there's an easy way to sum it up in our gospel reading today. Do not neglect the Lord's visitation. Do not neglect the Lord's gracious visitation. Do not neglect His presence, His willingness to forgive your sins, his willingness to cast your sins into the depths of the sea, no longer to be remembered. Do not neglect his willingness as far as the east is from the west. In the absolution of sins, your sins are no longer remembered by him. Do not neglect the fact, as we said in the prayer of the day, that his number one goal is to show pity. That's not a word we really use today. But pity and mercy also that he may lavish upon you his grace. And if we ignore this visitation, if we cast this aside as a secondary thing, something that is not the foundation, not only for the church, but our lives, it will lead us to destruction. Jeremiah sees it at the end of chapter 7. He sees a place called the Valley of Hinnon, and it's full of dead bodies and vultures and birds of prey feasting on those dead bodies. And then he calls out Judah. He calls out the people of Israel, telling them that they don't know how to repent. They have not acknowledged their sins. He calls out the clergy saying, you're lying using the scriptures. He says to them, you sit there and say, peace, peace. Everything's fine. Everything's good when there is no peace. Do you see it out here? Do you truly see peace today? Do you see unity? I mean, we can't even sit down and have a plain discussion about our differences. Not going to do it. Don't talk to me. I'm going to ignore you. And your differences, you're wrong. There is no peace. There's absolutely no peace. Jesus today, he weeps over Jerusalem, the city of heavenly peace, the place where his father's throne room has been established. He weeps over Jerusalem because they have not received him and his visitation. 
chief priests, Pharisees, scribes, the clergy of his time, the laity who knew it all in terms of their theology, wanted him dead. And yet he goes into his father's house and cleanses it with a whip, overturning the money changers, the corruption, and says, this is a house of prayer. This is a house where the word of God is proclaimed and prayed. Is that the case even for us today? What is all today about? Those who ignore history are doomed to repeat it. Jeremiah foretold of it. Jesus says it with Jerusalem. And what they're saying today is, is the path that leads to everlasting life is narrow. Few will find it. Many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus talks about the church in this way. You have sheep and goats. You have people who are wheat and weeds. You have people who are foolish and wise. But he doesn't sit there and say, the sheep are over here, the goats are over here, the wheat's here, the, wise, or the, the weeds are over here, wise are here, foolish. He says, no, they grow in together. They live together. They come to church together. They commune around the holy altar of God together. And it's not for you or for me to sift these things out with these people. But that is a warning as well. As Paul said last week, be careful lest you think you stand and you fall. Today is about the gracious visitation of God, but also a warning that if we do not, if we do not confess our sins, if we neglect, neglect God's word, he will consume you. And yet in the midst of all of this, he provides a way of escape. One of the things that we talked about in purgatory, uh, synod convention, was the fact of what's the best metric for a healthy church? I know, statistics, numbers, figures, I don't like those things. I was never good at math. But what is the best metric for a healthy church? Do you know what it was? It was very simple. The percentage of parishioners who participate in Bible study in the regular study of the scriptures with their brothers and sisters. That's really all it was. The regular percentage of people who came week in and week out around Bible study, around the divine service with God's word and his sacrament, receiving the forgiveness of sins, but also the strengthening of your faith to go out into this world that has no peace, no love, no pity, no mercy, and to go out as light and salt and mercy to a dying world. Now, we're not going to examine everything here today. I don't take attendance in Bible class. I don't even like taking attendance for a lot of these things. God really doesn't like numbers. Go back to the book of Numbers and see. But it is something that should be on our hearts and our minds today, not looking at each other, but looking at yourselves. 
Today's a wonderful Sunday, though, as well. We started a new confirmation class. Eight confirmands. Pray for them. Pray more for Chaplain Found. We have new members who are coming in today by the profession of the Christian faith. Yay, team! Woohoo, this is great! Youth, new members, more numbers, offerings, volunteers. Maybe some of them will do the things that we don't want to do. No. No. That's looking at things from a worldly perspective. Chaplain Found and myself going through instruction with these new members are going to point them to the vow that they make not only in confirmation but in the profession of faith today. And one of the main aspects of those vows is simply to say that the Lord commands you that you would not despise preaching and His word but gladly hold it sacredly and gladly Hear and learn it. Why? Because it's good for you. It brings life. I know, I sound like I'm nagging you. But really, it's like the dentist telling you just to floss. He doesn't tell you to do that because he wants you to be confused and angry with trying to deal with dental floss. He does it because it brings about life and health. And that's all I'm trying to tell you today. Because there's the warning. Do not neglect his visitation. These new members, those eight confirmands downstairs, are just like you. They are the baptized. They are the redeemed by Christ. But the other thing is, is they are facing the messes of life. The messes that they have made of themselves the messes that they are entrenched with with what the world piles onto them. But they are also like you, asking for Jesus' mercy, receiving his gracious visitation, coming together with you and me, the family of God, around Jesus' gracious visitation. The warning today is not meant to scare the ever-living pants off of you, the warning today is something that you should give thanks to and hold on to it because the day is coming and I dare say it is now when you will no longer have the option of going to a good church with a pastor. It's happening in our synod. It's happened for a while. The sky is not falling. It's still Jesus' church. It's still something that he says the gates of hell will not overcome, but that does not mean that you will not be brought to the doorstep of those gates. People outside the church that I've talked to, particularly other clergy, can't believe the level of education that we require for pastors and really how much work we put into making good pastors. That's why we give thanks to you, John. He has sat with me eh, close to a year, every Tuesday evening. I've pulled the curtain back a little bit, showed him a little bit how the sausage is made, 
what it means to go out and be a pastor, the joys, the absolute joys like nothing else there is to proclaim the word of God, to administer the holy sacraments, and to see the lives of people truly be changed. But there's also suffering. He who follow, he who hears you hears me, says Jesus, and yet Jesus was rejected, and you should expect it too, John. But I will leave you with this one profound set of statements. It's a broken record. You're not ready for this. You never will be. No one is. Be careful what you are asking for. Moses wanted to deal with God alone and not the people. Elijah was threatened with his own life. Jonah ran away on a ship and threw himself into the sea to be swallowed up rather than preach to a welcoming body of pagans who wanted to confess their sins. Peter denied Jesus to a teenage girl around a charcoal fire. And yet, John, who are you amongst these? Who am I? We're not even mentioned in the Bible. And yet, God is sending you today. Great motivation, Pastor. Way to build him up. But the reality is there. It's not to dissuade you but to give you the idea of what it is that you are getting placed into, what you will be taught and given by Jesus' gracious invitation. Seminary's hard. I got D's. Other people failed classes. It's a difficult thing, but here's the key. In the midst of the seminary education, in the midst of the boot camp of Greek that you're going to face this month, you gather around the gracious visitation of Jesus, praying three times a day, receiving the Eucharist on Wednesdays, being around your brothers and sisters and families in Christ as Jesus is the center, as the chapel is the center as he is the foundation by which you will be trained and you will go. Hold on to that. Hold on to the fact that that is happening in your place even when you might be looking at a D. But the same goes for the rest of you here today. You may not be facing Ds or classes like the early church which will blow your mind and confuse you. But you have your own fears, you have your own losses of hope, you have your own anger and frustration, you have your own sins. But in the midst of all of this, you have a gracious visitation from a crucified Lord and resurrected Lord who is who you follow, who passed from death to life with you and who pursues you with his mercy and his righteousness all the days of your life. It's no small thing today that we hear that Jesus weeps over Jerusalem. Three times in the scripture, Jesus weeps. He weeps over the death of Lazarus at the tomb of Lazarus because he sees his humanity, uh, the humanity of people, and even his own self 
experiencing the mourning, the loss, and the sharpness and sting of death. He weeps today over Jerusalem because they would not receive his peace that passes all understanding. He weeps over the fact that they do not welcome his gracious visitation. And he weeps from the cross. Not because of you, but on account of you. He is the one who takes away your sins, your fears, your shame, and your tears. As we said in a few weeks ago for Ron Kruger's funeral from Revelation chapter 7, the Lord wipes away all the tears of his saints. That's why Jesus weeps, so that you and I don't have to eternally. He exalts you. He brings his visitation to lift you up and say, You are my beloved, with whom I am well pleased, with whom I prepare a place for, with whom you will see face to face and not another. That's why his gracious visitation is here today. In the proclamation, in the feeding of his holy Eucharist, to forgive and strengthen you all the days of our life. The message is simple today. Don't take it for granted. It's not to beat you over the head, but it's to remind you what his visitation brings to you. Pity, mercy, grace, and love, now and forever. To Christ alone be the glory forever and ever. Amen.